For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he extended when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jane. What a great passage that is. Let's just um, invite the Lord to bless and bring power to his word this morning. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this letter. Thank you for Paul and his encouragement to yeah, your baby church. And so, Father, I pray for Tim as he delivers today's word. Pour out your spirit upon him. Make your will known to him. Bring power to this word. Bless his preparation for this, for this morning. And Lord, help us. Help us to receive your word, to hear expectantly. What is it that you want to say to us individually and as a body? So we pray, come Lord Jesus. And we, mag- we want to magnify and worship you this morning. And in the rest of our lives. Amen. I'm going to tell you a story about uh, last that happened last Monday to Amanda and I. We were driving home through that awful weather. If you remember last Monday, that rain, the wind, really, really bad weather. We were driving down the motorway, and there was lots of spray everywhere. We were having to go really slowly, and to be honest, it was an absolutely awful drive. So we decided we needed to stop at a service station and have a hot drink because we needed a break. So we had a look round at what was on offer. Obviously, in these times that we live in, some things were shut, some things were open, some things only had reduced menus. And we ended up fine settling on Starbucks because we realized that was probably the best place we could get a decaf tea because obviously Amanda is not drinking caffeine at the moment. We queued up, socially distant as, we, as you should, got to the barista and we said, can we have a decaf tea, please? And he said, I'm really sorry, we haven't got any. We've only got the caffeine-free herbal teas that you can see there. So as Amanda started looking at those teas, I ordered my coffee And then something in me twigged, and I realized we had decaf tea bags in the car. So I whispered to Amanda and said, just ask for some hot water, and then we can make you a cup of tea in the car. Unbeknown to me, the barista must have heard my comment, because sure enough, the next thing that came out of his mouth was, if you've tea bags in your car, I'm going to give you a a big cup of hot water, and I'm going to give you some milk so you can make that tea in your car. 
That really made our day. That very small act of kindness made our day. And I have permission to say this, it stopped Amanda being too grumpy. (laughs) It made such a huge difference on what was an absolutely awful drive back home. So much so that we both got in the car and said we were so touched by Corey and his kindness, we needed to email Starbucks to say thank you so that he got some recognition for that act. That was the hard part. Going on Starbucks' website, trying to find out how to actually pay a compliment was incredibly difficult. It was really easy to complain, but actually it was really, really hard to give a compliment. But sure enough, after a few minutes of digging around the website, I found the thing that said, comment on service received in one of our stores. And I sent that email just to say thank you. I doubt Amanda and I will ever see that barrister again. Barista, sorry, not barrister, barista. But we we felt it was so important to simply say thank you. It got me thinking a bit wider about society, how easy it is to complain about everything, but how hard it seems to be to say thank you. How quick are we to complain when things go wrong rather than looking at the positives? That then got me thinking about things in church. There are lots of things that happen in a church that we simply don't notice. But if they didn't happen, we would notice. Are we guilty in church, perhaps, for not saying thank you, but being quick to complain? I then went a step further in my thinking beyond the church and thought about my own life. And actually, I'm quite quick to complain, but not as quick to say thank you. But in my relationship with the Lord, I'm the other way around. Because every night I try, when I go to bed, I stop and I pause and reflect on my day. And I thank the Lord for all the times he's been with me. Of course, he's been with me through everything. But I try and think out the specific points where he's been. And that got me thinking, why do I do it this way with the Lord, but I don't do it that way with everything else? Surely that's not right. I wonder how different my outlook might be if I was to become more thankful outwardly rather than just with the Lord. And then I came to the reading for this week. And sure enough, I was struck straight away with that opening. And Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. How often do we take time to remember those in our prayers and actually just thank the Lord for them? It really started me thinking about how we respond when things don't go the way we want or when they do. When things aren't going right, we're very quick to be saying Lord and petitioning the Lord. But when things are going really well, how often do we pause and say thank you to the Lord? When things go wrong or not according to plan, do we just sit and watch from a distance complaining? Or do we actively try to get involved and make a difference? It's big questions that are certainly worth thinking about. Last week, of course, we began looking at Ephesians and we we looked at the first part of chapter 1, Paul's extended prayer of praise and worship. And today the reading carries on from where we left off. The split in the chapter is something that actually the translators have put in because otherwise... The opening of verse 15 makes no sense at all. We have to read it in conjunction with the first part of chapter 1. Because otherwise, as we heard today, our reading starts, For this reason, 
For what reason? For this reason, Paul is summing up the opening that we are chosen, that we are redeemed, that we are children of God, and says, for this reason, for the reason that we are chosen, redeemed, and children of God, I give thanks for you. He then thanks the Lord for all of them. And he asks that they continue to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's important that as we look at this section, we don't lose sight of who Paul is referring to. Because when he says you or your in this text, it's not you individual, it's you in the plural. It's everybody. He's addressing those who are reading the letter both then and now. He's encompassing all the churches in the region. Now you may remember, towards the end of last year, we actually looked at this passage again before. And we looked at the theme of power, the Lord's power. And that is a theme that will run throughout this book of Ephesians. It's not just because Ephesus was seen as a place of power, both socially and civically, but it was also a place of religious power. So just to recap on what we looked at last November, Paul is praying for the Christians in this place, and he is encouraging them. He's not at this stage talking about any of the things that might not quite be right in the church, but he is simply offering a prayer for the church and starting with thanksgiving. Paul understands that we are part of the same family, that we are all children of God, and that we should thank, give thanks for one another. Now, of course, within a family, there will inevitably be family fallouts, or other things will go wrong. But we are united together by the Holy Spirit, and that's what sets us apart as the family of God. We are united by the Holy Spirit. And it's a family which is never static. Because we actively look and seek to welcome in new members to our family. And if we ever lose sight of that, then we're doing something wrong. Because if we lose sight of looking out for those to bring into the family of God, we are turning ourselves into a club and not a family home. So Paul gives thanks. Once he's given thanks, he then asks the Lord for more of the Spirit so they can know him better. One of the main prayers that perhaps we as charismatics know, it's more Lord. Two simple words. Two words that just slip off the tongue so easily. Yet they are two very important words in our journey of discipleship. Often in a time of ministry, if we're praying for someone and they're receiving from the Spirit, we'll simply say, more Lord, more of you. But actually, why do we only do that when somebody is actively engaging with the Lord? What about all the other times when we seek the Lord? What about when we're at home studying Scripture and praying? Do we say, more Lord? Do we actively seek for more of Him? The message translation says the beginning of this section like this. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. 
your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. Wow. You can see exactly what he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life. Endless energy and boundless strength from the Lord Jesus. So more Lord might be one of those prayers we often say ad hoc or when somebody's engaging. When I hear scripture written like that, I want to actually be making that prayer something that I say every day. More Lord, more of you. I want to know more of you. To make me more intelligent and discerning in knowing you. To keep my eyes focused and clear so that I can see exactly what he is calling me to do. It helps. Because praying that way, praying the way that Paul tells us, opens up a new way of thinking. Because we all have that calling to follow. We are all children of God. And we all have a part to play. So praying this way that Paul tells us about helps us to open our eyes, to keep us focused and clear, to make us discerning, and to help us to know what we are called to do. And in that, when we know what we are called to do, we get restored and excited by it, and we have more energy and strength to do what is asked of us. Why? Because it comes from the Lord Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. When I think back to my time in law, At the end of a day, I was always really tired and drained. And I used to sit on the train and think, oh, another four days of this. That was on a Monday. And it was really, really tough. I didn't enjoy what I did. I worked so that I could live. And it felt like work just got in the way of life. But since ordination, I've never had that thought. Doing what I do brings me energy, strength, and joy. Yes, of course there's days when I get tired. I'm not going to stand here and say I don't. I'm not saying that. But what I, when I do what I've been called to do, I get strength and energy from the Lord. I'm called by the Lord for the task ahead. So what is the Lord calling you to do that will give you the energy and strength to do what is next? What tasks lie ahead of you that the Lord is calling you to do, which you need the energy and strength that only the Lord can provide? Is it serving the church? Is it serving outside the church? Perhaps volunteering for another organization? Is it doing the very thing that you do Monday to Friday? Or perhaps Monday to Sunday? Because we don't all have Monday to Friday jobs. Are you actually doing what the Lord is calling you to and receiving the energy and strength already? Whatever and whatever it is, when we're doing what the Lord is asking of us, we're reminded that we can be, res- we can be assured That he does provide for us. Why? Paul tells us right here in this passage. We get the energy and the strength from the Lord Jesus Christ. That, this passage to me, shows why it is important 
for anyone who says they are a Christian to come to church. I've got to be careful here because it's easy to think, start thinking of the church in the building sense in this. But I'm trying to use the church in this sense as the church as it should be, the body of Christ. And again, if we go back to the message version, it reads like this. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. When we come to church, we encounter Jesus Christ. We're filled up with the Holy Spirit to go out into the world, which is an ever more dangerous place. So there may well be times, though, when we come to church, and perhaps we leave thinking, that hasn't impacted me. Well, that hasn't changed me. I've not encountered Jesus today. What if we think of this a different way, though? Because Jesus is and always will be present in his church. On those days where we feel it wasn't good, were we simply looking at church as a consumer rather than a disciple? There is a difference. Society tells us we are consumers in every way. We have a right to be heard. Hence my experience at the beginning. It was so hard to say thank you, but so easy to complain. Perhaps some of that thinking has slipped into the church mindset. And subconsciously, we go into the consumer mindset rather than the disciple mindset when we come to gather together on a Sunday or a Wednesday. But we, in Scripture, we're told the exact opposite. We're told that the world is peripheral to the church. It's in the church where we find meaning. It's in the church where we find hope. It's in the church where we find strength and energy. It's in the church where we get filled up to be a catalyst for change out in the world. So perhaps we need to think about our discipleship rather than being a consumer. After all, we are called to be countercultural as disciples. We're called to be different. We're called to help people encounter Jesus for themselves. It's not about preaching on a street corner. It's about being genuine, humble, and firm in our faith. It's about trusting the Lord for what lies ahead. It's about surrendering to him so that he can work through us. Paul reminds us here in Ephesians that we give thanks for those who serve with Christian faith and love. And then we pray for them. He doesn't jump straight into praying for them. But first he gives thanks. But even though Paul is grateful for all the Christians to whom he writes are involved with, all the Christian service that they are doing, he is still not satisfied. So he gives thanks, but he prays. And he prays that they may know the fullest possible extent of the blessing that they have already received. The fullest possible extent. That jumps back to the first part of chapter 1 from last week. That we are children of God, restored, redeemed, and chosen by him. So that we may know the hope, the glory of his inheritance, and the greatness of his power. We give thanks first. 
We give thanks to God for all that he's done for us and all that he will do. We come to church with the attitude of a disciple and not a consumer. We pray for one another to know and understand more of the blessing that the Lord has poured out on us. And through all of this, we come to know that the world is peripheral to the church. Again, the people of God, not the building. And we pray that Christ will speak and act through the church and from the church. Everything will then be filled with his presence. So let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks that we can gather together as your family. We give you thanks that this family is not static, but that we welcome more and more people in. And this day we welcome you, brothers and sisters in Christ, up and down this land and across your world. We remember that we are united not just with those in this building and online, but we are united with anyone who confesses the name of Jesus Christ as Lord. So firstly, we give you thanks, Lord. We thank you for the blessing that you have poured out on us. And as Paul himself prayed, we pray too that we would come to know more of that blessing. That we would come to know what your calling is on each of our lives. That as we work out that calling and work through it, that you would give us that strength and energy that only you can provide. Help us to be countercultural and say thank you rather than being quick to complain. May as people look at us, see Jesus in us, so that they may come to know him themselves. 